This is the eighth episode of the Nifty Nick Show. Today I have on an OG crypto collector who's been around this space for quite a while. Outside of an impressive CryptoPunks portfolio, he also is actively contributing to this space by supporting EtherCards and Vesto.io. The show's all about learning from those with skin in the game and the world of NFTs, and as usual, today's guest is no exception. So let's get started. If you're looking for some crypto, you just found the right spot. We wrap it up one of a kind, NFT straight to the top. Now don't go trading based on comments we provide in this show. It's not investment advice, but our picks do tend to blow up. Like a rocket, they say. Many people have compared it to people's every day. So if you're trying to figure out what's going on in this space, please do not worry. Your boy Nifty Nick is hot on the case. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome to the show, Tony. Thank you for having me, Nick. So, you know, it, it would probably be useful to just start with, how did you get into this space? Uh, I know that you now have, like, you've been collecting a lot of NFTs, but I'm just curious, like, how did you get into the crypto space? So I got into the crypto space kind of like by by accident. I want I was so my background is mostly work with the immigrant community. Uh, I, I live in Southern California. I, I was, you know born in Mexico, but I was raised here in, in Southern California, and you know pretty much came here at a very young age. Uh, typical immigrant, immigrant immigrant experience. I came here about nine, seven seven years old and. And then basically went through all school here. And then I, most of my work, you know, my background is most of my work has been in the immigrant community space, helping uh, particularly the undocumented immigrant community with, with a couple of provisions that we have here in California that are kind of unique. California is a little bit of a progressive state when it comes to immigrant rights. So there's a lot of opportunity to, to help out the community with different projects. And there's a project that I have been very involved in with decades, which is a small benefit that injured workers get. So if you happen to be working and you get injured on the job and you can't go back to your normal job because it now exceeds your work restrictions, there's a provision in California called the Vocational Rehabilitation Benefit. And so I uh, I helped uh, a lot of people by training them a vocational counselor. And, and I started helping out with that community and I kind of fell into crypto and blockchain by accident because we were looking for uh, a solution for some of our clients to send money back to to the to uh, to their countries, to their home countries. And so what we did is we we ended up I ended up trying to find you know that was the whole promise of Bitcoin, right? Is that Bitcoin you know borderless transfers of money peer to peer? Um, the the which, is, which you can do with with cryptocurrency. The problem oftentimes becomes uh, how do you convert that crypto into fiat uh, at the local level, right? Uh, into the local money. And so I actually came into crypto by that. I, I was really looking for a solution for some of my clients that, that needed to send, you know, large sums of money, sometimes in the tens of thousands, occasionally in, in the hundreds of thousands. Uh, they were going back to the country and, and taking those funds with them. And and th- that's how I ended up in crypto. And, and so uh, it was looking for a solution. And then I ended up sort of falling down the rabbit hole with, uh, with Bitcoin, uh, you know, bought Bitcoin, uh, early 2016, and uh, then uh, found out about Ethereum. So then, kind of dove into Ethereum, and I really love the promise of uh, of decentralized de- decentralization and, and blockchain. And, and that's how I ended up really in crypto. That that was sort of my entry into crypto. 
uh, you know, did the Ethereum uh, rabbit hole and then got into uh, a little bit of the ICOs in 2017, uh, as well as uh, the CryptoPunks and uh, that were, you know, the CryptoKitties and CryptoPunks, mostly the CryptoPunks uh, in 2017, which is when I claimed most of my uh, CryptoPunks, almost 90% of the CryptoPunks that I've ever owned, I, I pretty much claimed at the, uh, at the Genesis when they, when they first got released. So that's pretty much how I got into crypto. Wow, so th that's that's a non-conventional uh, story, I'd imagine, for entering, but it, it's actually incredible because the use case that you're describing is one that uh, you know a lot of people describe as you know kind of the vision for crypto is that it's not just about you know the rich getting richer; it's about giving access to those people who don't have access, including those who are underbanked. And so, yeah, that's really interesting to actually. Uh, have that background and see that actually come to uh, fruition. That that's pretty cool. So yeah, that, that was actually one of the things that Nick that kept me in crypto. Right. So once you had the so so you know if we go back historically with the crypto in those at those times, you know you had this wide crazy uprun, right? And and and, and in January two thousand seventeen, you know both both Bitcoin was hundred thousand dollars and Ethereum was I think at it started off the year, if I'm not mistaken, around I think ten dollars or something like that. Yeah, nine bucks. And it went as, yeah, and then it went up as high as like seventeen hundred dollars before it, you know, started this downtrend. And I think for me what 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 really drew my attention is exactly that. I, I found within the Ethereum community specifically this a lot of dreamers and activists, people who really wanted to change the world. And I think that's what kept me kept me in crypto. And actually this kind of what led me to Ether cards. So Ether cards I, I, I discovered Ether cards in, in 2017. I went to the I, I went to I went to the Ethereum convention and I went really kind of like since I'm not a dev and you know I wasn't involved in any blockchain projects. I kind of went just because I wanted to see you know what what, what could be done because once again I was still trying to see how uh, a blockchain solution could could help some some of my some of my clients right. I, I'm, I'm I'm an activist by 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 nature, you know. I I, I tend to be, you know, very focused on on the, on the community, and so I, I was looking for that, and 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 that's how I discovered EtherCards because EtherCards was kind of at that time EtherCards was used to onboard new people to crypto. Okay. So 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 what we what you could an EtherCard back then, which is just think of like a just a regular Visa card, okay. uh, debit card, you know, and then on on the front is it could be it could be labeled for any event so, so meetups would, would have these cards and then on the back of the card you essentially had uh three three features that had a qr code for a wallet an actual hexadecimal address for ethereum wallet and then a seed phrase that was essentially a scratch off it was covered by a scratch and, and what we would do is you would go to an event and and we say hey nick you know you you need ether you know you got any tokens you know and you got a wallet and you say no and we gift you one, right? We gift you one, and and you basically start off with a you can scan it, and I can send you crypto or tokens, and 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 you you know you can go on your way. And then when you got home, at some point in time, you you scratch up the seed phrase, reveal the reveal the seed phrase, and then you can set up your wallet, and then just destroy the Ether card, right? Uh, but they're still kind of they're still kind of uh, out there in the wild. But I used Ether cards at that time to onboard immigrants onto Ethereum, and you know, I was so bullish on Ethereum that I actually would like meet up every now and then with what we call uh, community leaders, uh, leaders comunitarios, 
who are basically representing these these groups that we call hometown associations that are basically um, kind of uh, nonprofit groups that represent the communities from where they came, and particularly from Mexico. Uh, and, and we would basically sit down and say, hey, look, there's this, there's this thing called Bitcoin, and there's this thing called Ethereum. And, and with Ether cards, we would actually give them some Ether. You know, typically at that time, we were kind of giving them $20 in Ether. And we'd basically give them the Ether right at the moment in, in, the, in, the, in the group, and then we'd actually have them watch it through the blockchain, right? So we'd go to EtherScan, scan your wallet, and they'd actually see the Ether like move through the blockchain, right? So it was kind of fun going through that process, and we gifted a bunch of cards. So I, I ordered a bunch of cards from Ether, from Ether cards, and we would have like regular sessions where like, you know, you just kind of run through it. And it was kind of funny because a couple of those, of those individuals really kind of got, you know, the, you know, once you, once you discover Bitcoin and Ethereum, it's, it's really kind of like, you know, if you understand it, it's kind of really hard to not kind of, kind of go down that rabbit hole, right? And so we had a couple of them, of them uh, who, who, who were able to uh, collect Ethereum and Bitcoin. Uh, so, so, so we have like one, one, one lady who, who, um, who just started collecting the Bitcoin. <laughs> and it, it was funny because she, she, she came in, you know, this was in 2017, right? So this and she would come in and she'd have questions and come in and, you know, answer questions. And one day she came by and she's like, you know, I need to sell some Bitcoin. And I'm like, why are you selling your Bitcoin? She says, oh, you know, because I just want to get, I don't really, I still don't quite understand it. And I'm, I'm concerned. And, uh, you know, I said, okay, do you, do you, do you need the money? And she goes, no, I don't need money. I said, then why are you selling it? She goes, I, because I have this wallet and I'm just concerned. So, so we went back and forth with it, with it, and I said, "Look, if you want to sell it, fine. Uh, you know, we can get you to, to, to sell it." I said, "But if you don't, then just just keep it, right?" So long story short, she ended up keeping it, and then we didn't see her for a few years. And then one day she came in, and she says, um, "I have um, I have like these five bitcoins." <laughs> She's like, "Yeah," and and it was it was hilarious because she came in right around the time. I think it was in December, and I think what was Bitcoin around in December? It was I think around getting close to fifty thousand. No, it was like uh, this most recent December. Yeah, uh, I don't know when it spiked. I mean, we went all the way down to six thousand last year, and then you had I, I guess it uh, ramped up. But yeah, I, by December, I think it was a little less. It was probably around forty or something like that. Yeah, I, yeah, you're actually right. So, so she comes in. Long story short, she says, you know, do you think it's going to go higher? I said, you know. I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm no financial planner, and I, I, I'd be lying to you if I told you exactly what was going to happen. I said, but I, I, I have a feeling that it's going to go to 50,000 before the end of the year. She said, okay, well, I'm going to Mexico. I'll come back and see you next year. <laughs> so she came, she came back in, uh, in January, and by that time, it had already hit close to 50,000. And so, and so, and so, the long story short, Nick, is that you know, it, it, I, I've seen how the power of cryptocurrency. Has really transformed. Like, here's here's an individual who was eking out a living with basically, uh, you know, a meager wage, and was just basically just buying, buying, you know, ether, ether and, and and Bitcoin at fifty dollar, hundred dollar chunks, and within a matter of three years, it was transformational for her. Yeah, that's a pretty incredible story, and it's pretty awesome that you know it it, it was sort of like a a random person who ended up stumbling into this situation and ends up with it. I, you know, uh, 
but that's awesome. You know, the, those sorts of stories are way more inspiring than uh, some, uh, you know, rich uh, tech person who really already has, you know, no issues in terms of uh, surviving uh, and, and, and instead it going for someone who, um, you know, was just uh, living maybe paycheck to paycheck, uh, but can now probably retire on their, um, you know, or have, have a nice little nest egg as a result of, right. uh, of what they have, you know, what they've made from it. That, that's incredible. So, okay. So you got into ether cards before they were um, this like, uh, di- the digital existence that I, you know, I came across it only recently uh, when they did a launch. Um, I-, I guess there was a recent launch of Ether cards, and I'm not quite sure. Honestly, I didn't even fully grasp it at that moment. But what you articulated mm-hmm. is like the original form, where it's in the physical form. I can hand uh, these, yes. these cards to people, which is really awesome. And it's a really cool way to onboard other people into the technology and uh, and really to the people who we've claimed for a long time are the ones who are going to benefit from this. So th- that's really cool. So have you been involved in it recently as they've been uh, transitioning yeah, and evolving? So, so yeah, so EtherCards historically was um, was a project actually, uh, we don't know this, but EtherCards was actually started out of a project out of the Ethereum Foundation. So as the Ethereum Foundation launched EtherCards, and at that time, um, Nick Johnson ran EtherCards, who now runs, Nick Johnson now runs um, ENS, the Ethereum name service. Um, but but EtherCards, for a while, was, was, the, was the way of onboarding new people to crypto. Uh, and, you know, and, and there's some, you know, there, there's some awesome physical collector items. That, you know, they, they got some beautiful cards out in the wild if you, if you can snag one. But... Um, but yeah, so EtherCard, I had met the, the individuals from EtherCard, and, and I, so I, I knew them. I wasn't involved at all in the project besides, you know, buying their cards and using them for, for, for our purposes to onboard, you know, people to immigrants into crypto. And then, you know, I kept in touch with, with, the, uh, with, with the team. I, you know, I'm friends with the team. And, and then later on, they, got into, they wanted to get into event ticketing. So, so the, the, the ether cards wanted to move into event ticketing, possibly um, uh, authenticity, providing authenticity, a method of authenticating art, uh, and 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 a, a few other things. Uh, you know, so so I actually tried to connect them to uh, to some some teams that sports teams, particularly a professional sports team in Mexico. Uh, and and the problem that I think EtherCard had was that you know whenever you try to approach uh, an existing organization corporation that already has a legacy system that works for them, it's really hard for them to sort of transition over to blockchain, right? So 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 I think EtherCard also went from a physical card, and then with the advent of uh, of software wallets, particularly with you know with with uh, MetaMask and with uh, Trust Wallet and with all the different my crypto and all, all the different uh, crypto wallets that you have out there, you know the card became sort of like it came. I wouldn't I don't want to say relic, but it just became less. You know the physical card just became less attractive, and and so then as as the NFT craze started, um, you know with particularly with the with first with the rise of CryptoPunk, uh, and 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 basically the, the you know the proliferation of, of different NFT projects. Um, it was a good pivot for for uh, for EtherCards, right? Uh, and and I think that EtherCards 
is going to be a monetization platform for NFTs, which is the way I like to describe it is it's platform agnostic in the sense that it'll work over Rarible's, OpenSea, uh, you know, all the all, you know, all the different uh, all the different uh, network platforms or NFTs platforms that already exist. And the difference with with uh, with EtherCards is that it'll essentially bring in some gamification. So think of uh, think of EtherCards as an, as an ability for you to run a raffle. Uh, so you can run a raffle on, uh, on, on Ether cards. You'll be able to do a bingo card. Um, uh, you, you, so you can, you can do a number of, uh, the holder of the NFT or the creator of the NFT can essentially throw in some game theory into, into the, into the, uh, into the NFT. So it's, it's really a great, and it's a really great platform if you want to gamify, right? So, so the, 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 and the gamification goes along certain traits. So each card will have, different traits. So one of the traits could be that you can go in and mint uh, NFTs for a, a discount or provide um, all level of, uh, of uh, features, uh, and layer on some features to, to your specific NFT. So, so it's a rather, it, it, it's a little bit complex to, to explain uh, as a, you know, kind of like a, explaining like in five kind of situation, only because it, it, it involves a lot of game theory uh, which is something that's lacking or not, if you will, missing from the platforms right now because all the marketplaces are pretty much just the buying and selling of, of NFTs, right? There, there is no platform right now that gives you an ability to gamify, if you will, the NFT experience. Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds like a project which has gone through many iterations and is still in the process of disco- you know, uh, discovering and evolving um, to the next uh, yes. You know, whatever the next phase is. Yeah, and to and to your point, Nick. Uh, so so EtherCards had a a public sale that launched on March 18th, and it just it just closed. So so right now, you know, the, the platform is is still very nascent. Uh, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be launched. You know, there's still some development work that needs to be done um, for the platform to, to 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 truly go live. But once it does go live, I I, I think it holds a lot of promise. Uh, you know, because the thing about NFTs is a lot of people don't realize. Anything and everything can be an NFT. So, so the way for us to think of NFTs, and I, I was explaining it to some people, and most recently I was explaining it to my wife, and she's like, "Okay, give me the give me lo, the, the lowdown of why these things are, are, are big, right?" Because, and then her experience or her 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 uh, interest peaked when, she, you know, when I, when one day when we were sitting down, and she's like, "Okay, well, how many punks do we have, and, and what are they valued at?" And I said, "Okay, well, they're all valued differently, right? Because they all have different attributes and different features." Which is the thing about NFTs, right? Also, that, that right now all NFTs that are coming out are pretty much open editions or one of one or you know one of many, and and they all sort of have like different NFTs depending on the artist will kind of have a price discovery. But I said, you know, with with punks, it's different. I said, you know, babe, here, you know, here's the way you can look at look at this punk. I said it's got these features and this feature makes it more rare, so therefore it's more valuable as opposed to this one over here. And then I was kind of walking her through the whole you know, aliens, apes, and zombies kind of thing. And 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 and, and so she was trying to wrap her head around it. And, and I think that that's the thing about NFTs that once you start diving in, it's, it's, there's this whole world of NFTs, right? I mean, you're seeing this explosion of projects and NFTs, and it's like everybody's sort of trying to figure out, okay, what, what's, what's going to be the next CryptoPunks, right? Is it going to be a hash mask? Is it going to be... Uh, 
uh, squiggles. Is it going to be a lot of the generative art that's coming out of art blog? Um, so yeah, so, so it's difficult for people to sort of, uh, you see a lot of activity within the buying of NFTs. And, and so everybody's like, oh, you know, um, this artist here sold this NFT for, I mean, you, I'm sure you've seen it. It's like, sometimes you look at an artist and like, and they sell an NFT and you're like wondering, well, why did this particular piece of art sell for a hundred dams? Because they've, they've been out there, right? It's like, it's like, it's like, if you think about a hundred dams, it's like, oh, with the price of a dam today, that's a $200,000 sale. So, so I think it, and just to like the people alone is, is, was, uh, was an interesting, uh, kind of, if you look at the main media, mainstream media, they were all basically reporting, oh, $69 million sale for a JPEG. <laughs> so, so, and, and, and a lot of people don't really understand because if you really dissect the Beeple sale, you know, you had a $69 million sale for 5,000 of Beeple's works, which is a span of 13 years. And the buyer, uh, Medicovin, you know, the Singaporean investor, you know, born in India, you know, if you, if you listen to any of his interviews, he, he explains why he bought it and, and, and people don't realize that it's going into the metaverse, right? It's going to go into, into virtual, virtual reality uh, land space where, you know, whether, you, whether it's crypto voxels and Decentraland and, and Sandbox and all these other places. And a lot of people don't, you know, it's, it's, it's hard enough to wrap, wrap around your head around all the NFT craze. To then sort of layer on, oh wait, you mean this stuff can also be seen in the virtual reality, and so and so and so we're still. It, it just shows you how early we are, Nick, at all of this stuff. All of this stuff is so so new that despite the huge amount that entities are bringing in, people don't realize that it's just so so new. Oh yeah, I definitely agree. I, I compare it sometimes to the early uh, internet days when people would be like, "Oh, don't put your credit card on on the website," and you you uh, had to uh, like they had to build trust. And I, yeah, I, I think a lot of this is still not standardized. Uh, interoperability is an issue depending on like what platform you buy on. Like sometimes you can mm -hmm. end up like buying an NFT, but like you can't view it in your wallet. Um, which is what I've seen people uh, run into issues with. But I, so for, for you specifically, so outside of, so you now have uh, a great portfolio. Um, I'm wondering two things. Well, one, uh, do you find yourself chasing any other um, so, sort of NFT projects at this point? Because I feel like uh, you're, you're sitting in as good of a position as you possibly could um, in terms of your timing. Uh, so, so like at this point, is there any reason... Uh, for you to be buying additional art outside of the fact that you like it, um, are are you are you expanding? I, I, I do I do buy more art. So I, I occasionally will look and see. It, it, it's it's kind of hard. Two things. So so I'm incredibly busy with both EtherCards and with Vesto. Um, and and so for me it's it's you know and on on and also like on on NFTs it's also like how do you display them right? So one of the one of the one of the best and I want to give a shout out to Mike Damaris of uh, Rainbow. The rainbow wallet because mm -hmm. one of the best experiences of seeing nfts is 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 rain, rainbow the rainbow wallet right and so the rainbow wallet is mostly available for ios it's really not available for uh for uh for uh android but it, but if you follow mike demaris on, on twitter and, and, and hit him up maybe he can give you a beta beta a beta access but and i have an android and and, and he was kind enough to give me a beta access but i haven't found a wallet that that displays NFTs as well as Rainbow Wallet does, and and so 
back to your point of of of, uh, of NFTs, I still collect NFTs. I I, I collected some hash masks. I, I've collected a lot of squiggles. I've collected a lot of uh, some of the art blocks uh, projects. Um, there's there's a couple of art art blocks art blocks projects that I really like. For anybody's interested, it's just artblocks.io. Um, and 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 so I I buy I buy I'm a more of a collector nerd. I don't really buy a lot of uh, NFTs. For the purpose of reselling them, I usually buy stuff that I like, and I usually keep it. Um, even even like with my uh, punks, most of my punks that I have sold, I've sold them through um, kind of like people who connect with me on, on on Twitter and DM me and say, hey, you know, I'm really interested in this punk, and and, and you know, I'll, I'll do a sale that way. But I'm not I'm not a prolific um, reseller of NFTs. There are people who do it really, really well. You know, you got uh, shout outs to Nate Alex and, and Frank Ski and, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of Beanie, Beanie, Beanie Maxi, you know, and Von Mises who do that really well. I mean, I, you know, they're, they're just like masters at, at that. That's not me. I'm, I'm more of a collector. I collect things that I like. You know, I, I keep them. I, I'm, I'm heavily involved in, in my projects. So I don't have a lot of time to 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 view. That's the other thing about the marketplaces is that there's really no way of finding. Like all the marketplaces have a ton of art, but there's like really no way for you to filter through it. It's like it's like almost like you just got to jump from site to site to just like just like browse because there's really no way for you to really. Right now, there's still no like Google feature search feature for finding NFTs. Right? It's, it's just like this hodgepodge of of, of marketplaces. And so I kind of will jump from viewing one and then, you know, you see a bunch of projects and I buy a few here and there. Um, but for the most part, um, I'll look into it first. I, I'm starting to find artists, Nick, in the way that um, I'll look at an artist and if I see their art, I'll, I'll, I'll save them, I'll follow them on, on, on Twitter or, or, you know, whatever, you know, they're, they're at and kind of look at their art. And then if I like it, I'll, I'll I'll get some pieces from them. And and as of late, what I do what I do a lot is I actually commission pieces. I actually like to go and uh, get a fine artist and say, hey, you know, you're you're a fine artist. I go, Nick, hey, I'm really interested in pieces. I like your stuff. Can we can we come up with you know? Do you take commissions? And a lot of really successful NFT artists are really not even taking commissions because they're so busy making art and selling their art that they don't even take commissions. And there are projects that are coming up. There's one particular project that I have a lot of interest in, which is Minty Art. Uh, Minty Art, which is along the lines of patronage, uh, so where you can actually commission an artist if you'd like to, to create a piece for you. Um, and that's um, they're on Twitter at uh, I think it's at Minty at Minty uh, underscore NFT or I think that's that's their their, their handle. But um, but that's how I'm kind of getting involved with NFTs more more often. Um, and sometimes you, you just, I mean, sometimes you just miss out on the project. I mean, sometimes, you know, you totally like, oh, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, if it's a really awesome project, then it just, everybody apes in, right? Everybody just buys it. And then suddenly there's no, there's no NFTs left unless you want to just go grab them on the secondary market. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I checked out uh, Minty, that it's minty.art. Um, dot art. Uh, so yeah, that, that'll be in it. I'll, I'll have to check out that project more. Um, one last thing uh, before we wrap up, I'm sort of curious about your involvement in uh, Vesto. Uh, so uh, your that's now your full time job. So so Vesto so so I kind of um, 
you know, split my 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 work activity between Vesto and EtherCard. So on the on the EtherCards, I'm 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 doing quite a bit to onboard some new artists. We have we have a, a number of new artists that are going to be um, essentially creating exclusive art for for EtherCards that are up and coming. Um, there there there's there's some work that we're doing with Vesto uh, on. I'm sorry, with EtherCards on the physical good, on the, on the NFT that represents the physical object. So, so like a lot of NFTs, um, think of like if you had an NFT of, say, a piece of furniture. Um, um, you could actually have the NFT represent a physical physical good. I, I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Uniswap. Uh, you, yeah, the software company. Unisox. So, so, but, but Unisox is actually, if you if you don't, if you've never seen it, it's uh, Unisox dot, dot exchange. So Unisox is. Oh, Unisox. Sorry. Yeah, you, I, yeah. I I miss, I misheard what you said. Yes, Unisox. Yeah. I have heard about. Yep. Pretty yeah. So, so the Unisox token is 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 a, is, a, is kind of an interesting project because it's like the token you can buy it or sell it for Ethereum, but if you actually want a physical pair of the five hundred stocks. You actually end up burning that token in exchange for the physical piece, right? So, so, so one of the things that I am bullish on moving forward with NFTs is an NFT that represents a physical object, right? And there's actually a really great um, artist on Twitter that um, we'll be having a discussion with her. She makes these really great purses. Uh, she's uh, Lisa Odette on, on Twitter. It's uh, I think her handle is Lisa uh, ODT. Uh, on, on Twitter, and and she makes this really great purse uh, as an NFT, and she wants to make it in real life. So so then the, the 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 project would be like, okay, can you now take that NFT, and when somebody buys that NFT, they can actually uh, get the physical object, right? So 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 think of it like any like any good. It could be it could be it could be a watch or a ring or. Or anything, and so that we we had discussed this previously. Where at, at the end of the day, an NFT can be anything. An NFT can be an event ticket. It could be a concert ticket. It could be a sports event ticket. It could be um, it, it could it could represent uh, any number of things, including legal contracts. Right? So so the, the the interesting about for me with either cards is that, and uh, and then and then on the on the vessel side. Which is actually kind of a tie in. So, so I, I, I split my time between both of them, but they're kind of somewhat related, Nick, and, and I'll, I'll tease this to you. My goal with EtherCard and with Vesto is, is a little bit of a collaboration. And EtherCard is basically an NFT platform. So you can have essentially a card that ties into, you know, an account. And Ether, it's got an Ethereum address. And there I can see all of Nick's. NFTs, but then what if through Vesto, I offered you the ability to now layer on banking services because that's what Vesto is. Vesto is a is a, a fiat on ramp to crypto, so it's a banking service. Uh, Vesto is kind of a SaaS, kind of a, a software as a service platform that integrates a smart contract. Where if you're a bank, we can offer you a white label solution, a white label solution that allows you to onboard uh, your customers onto 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 crypto. So it's kind of like, oh, you provide, I can buy, provide you a debit card. I can provide Nick a debit card that is also tied to a crypto account. And 
And so Vesta is really a, a, a play, the, the, the use case for Vesto is I can help somebody download an app, uh, open a bank account, and through that bank account they can send crypto and also send remittances. And so, so what? So we started off the, 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 this, this talk, uh, Nick, with um, my background in, in immigration and migrants, and Vesto sort of is tailored to that particular community that sends remittances. So, so the idea would be that you could be a migrant worker in the United States, open up a Vesto account, and then once you open up the Vesto account, you uh, then can um, send remittances, right? Once, once you once you have a, an account, you can you know uh, send money, you know deposit money from any other debit card or credit card that you want to deposit money, but you can also receive your uh, your uh, your paycheck into it, right? So you can get a direct deposit into the account. So it's, it's, it's a bank account. It's, it's actually a bank, bank account. And then with that bank account, you can send remittances. And under the Vesta platform, the remittances that you send are actually in dollar denominated and they're actually in the, in the, in the form of DAI. So, so the banking service provides a way for uh, Nick to send remittances to anywhere in the world and the individuals who receive it will receive it in a stable coin in the form of DAI. Uh, so it, it 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 takes away from the traditional sector of remittances, which is that when you send remittances, uh, one we're going to be able to send it at a fraction of a cost of the of the normal cost right now, and two when the individual receives their funds in the receiving country, they're actually going to get it in dollars as opposed to the local currency, right? So so typically the remittance. Uh, companies will take a fee for you to send it, and that could be as much as 10% of whatever you're sending. Uh, or, or, you know, or like if you're sending 100 bucks, it'll be you know, $10. $10. Um, and then when you, when the receiving person gets it over there, they, they you know, if the, if the exchange rate is 21 pesos to the dollar, or, you know, eight quetzales to, you know, Guatemala to, to the dollar, uh, they may end up giving you only 1950 uh in, in Mexico, and only six dollars and seventy-five cents, six pesos, six quetzales and seventy-five, uh, and on the on the Guatemalan side. So so there's there's a, a kind of like a double a double dipping by those companies, and, and so Vesto sort of aims to resolve that issue to make remittances a lower cost solution using blockchain and using using the stable coins um, as opposed to the traditional world, which is charging you a, one charging you a fee to send and charging you Take, you know, taking a giving you a haircut when you get on on the other end, and for us, it's it's it's, it's both. Can we lower the transaction cost because you're using a blockchain? And to uh, rather, you know, we don't take anything. Vesta doesn't take anything because you, when you get your funds, you get you get it in the denomination of what you send. So if I send you a hundred dollars, the individual is going to be able to get a hundred dollars. And the beauty of it is that is is that if you with here in Mexico, and you say, "Well, I only need twenty dollars worth of pesos." You can actually get twenty dollars worth of pesos, and your die remains in your uh, in your wallet for you to exercise uh, another transaction in the future state. Man, that, that's really fascinating. I, I actually have more questions to ask you about that, but we're actually out of time in terms of the uh, podcast itself. So I, I first just want to say thank you for coming on. Thank you, Nick. I really appreciate having you. Anytime. That's it for this episode of the Nifty Nick podcast. Thanks again for listening. And if you made it this far, make sure to subscribe at the nifty.com. 
Thanks again for listening.